Well, good morning, church. Good to be in the house with you this morning. I missed you last week. Did you miss me too? All that snow we had. Whew. Good to be here this morning, though. Well, we are in our fourth and final week of our sermon series called Exponential. And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about what God can do when his people invest in irrational love and extravagant generosity. God's economy, you see, is very different than our economy on earth. What matters in God's kingdom is not typically what we think matters by earthly standards. God's ways are higher than our ways. But what we find in the economy of the kingdom of God is that when we are generous with our time, talent, and resources, God uses them to affect more people than we could possibly imagine. Remember how God called Abraham and Sarah and told them he would raise up from them a great nation and that through them all the families of the world would be blessed? Abraham and Sarah waited and they waited some more. They believed that God would do big things through them, but when they didn't immediately see the results that they were expecting, they downsized their expectations. After many years, they even took matters into their own hands and created some problems. But God ultimately was faithful, and in God's good timing, he fulfilled the promise and Isaac was born. God took the seed of faith that was planted and he multiplied it exponentially. For the offspring of Abraham today is more numerous than can be counted, more than the number of stars in the sky, more than the number of grains of sand on the seashore. Last week, we explored the idea that when we join in the work that God is already doing, when we begin to participate in the work that the Lord is already up to, how he is moving, what he is blessing, where he is going, that God ends up putting us in just the right place at just the right time. It's often just at the time when our own plans fail that the unexpected circumstance we encounter becomes the very catalyst for God, moving us into a new and better place. As we look toward living exponentially for God and moving into the kingdom of multiplication, there are two questions that each of us have to wrestle with. First, how would your life change if you lived by the principle that everything belongs to God? And second, how would your life change if you had to give an account to God for what you do with the time, talent, and resources God has given you? I think one of the reasons that we often miss the exponential life that God longs for us to have is because we are so consumed by the temporary things of earth that we miss the eternal things of heaven. As Christians, as believers, we are called to prioritize and make most important to us the same things that are most important to Jesus. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He writes, Since then 
you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You see, in this passage from Colossians, Paul explains what true Christian behavior is. Putting on the new self by accepting Christ and then regarding our old earthly nature as dead. It involves setting both our mind and our hearts on things above, head and heart, mind and desires. We learn about God's priorities by reading, learning, memorizing, and getting as much scripture as we can down deep inside of us. We learn about Jesus through scripture, who he hung out with, what he did, the kinds of places he went, what was important to him, who was important to him. And then we can let our mind become more like Christ's as we think about such things. We also set our heart on things above. We let what we've learned begin to affect what we do and what is important to us. We begin to change our priorities. We change our moral and ethical behavior by letting Christ live in us. And then he can shape us into the person we should be. We set our hearts and minds on things above. And this means striving to put heaven's priorities into daily practice. For you see, spending time daily with God by reading, studying, and meditating on Scripture, and by spending some time every day talking with God through prayer, is a proven way to help us set our hearts and minds on the things of God. It help us, helps us learn to make God-honoring decisions. It's why it's first and foremost of the six habits that we recommend every Christian practice. Spending time, or we often use the saying, hindsight is twenty-twenty, And what we mean by that is it's so easy to know what the right thing is to do after something has already happened. Like now that we see what a great big company Apple Computers has become, it would have been easy for us to invest every penny that we had way back in the day when it was just a startup in somebody's garage. But it's a lot more difficult to do what's right in the present time, right now. And it's especially hard to do what might be right for the future. But when we know the word of God, the future becomes as clear as the past. Jesus taught us through the use of parables and one of his parables in particular, the parable of the talents, teaches us what we can expect in the future and what action is required of us now. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells us a couple of parables about what life in the kingdom of God looks like. He tells one at the very beginning of the chapter, and then he begins a second one in verse 14, the parable of the talents. Jesus said, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went away on his journey. 
The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Well, in this parable, there's an extremely wealthy man. He owns a fantastic amount of property and wealth. He's so rich that he has numerous servants who work for him. And he's going away on a long trip, probably somewhere warm if he lives in Cincinnati. So he decides to entrust some of his wealth to several of his servants to work with while he's away on his trip. Now, the three servants in the story are not all treated equally. Rather, they are treated according to each one's ability. The first servant must have been really good at investing, so he was entrusted with five bags of gold. He probably invested in Apple Computer way back in the early day, and so he turned his master's five bags of gold into ten bags. The second servant is a pretty good investor, too. He turns his master's two bags of gold into four bags of gold. The third servant is not such a good investor. He digs a hole in the ground, puts the bag of gold entrusted to him in it, and he covers it up. I imagine if he'd had a mattress, he probably would have hidden it under there, right? Well, after being away for a long time, the master returns home, and he's excited, and he's anxious to see what each one of his servants has done with the money that he's entrusted to them. He calls on the first servant to give an account. And the master is really pleased with how he's handled the investment. He sees how responsible he has been. He says he will entrust him with even more, and he invites the servant to come and share in his happiness. Similarly, the master calls the second servant to give him an account. And he is pleased at the two bags of gold, which have become four. He entrusts the second servant with even more as well, and he invites him also to share in his happiness. And then the master calls the third servant to give an account. This is the guy who buried the money in the ground. Scripture says that he was afraid of his master, and so he decided to play it ultra safe, doing absolutely nothing for his master with what he had been entrusted he digs up the bag of gold and he just hands it back to his master. And the master is not happy. He calls the servant wicked and lazy. He admonishes him for not putting the money in the bank at the very least so it would have earned a little bit of interest. He takes the one bag of gold back from him, gives it to the first servant and kicks the guy out of the house and out into the darkness. My friends, in this parable, Jesus is giving you and me insider information. He is telling us what the kingdom of God is like. That the master is incredibly generous in entrusting gifts to his servants. That he doesn't treat each servant identically. He gives differing amounts of gifts, but the master expects each of them to do something with what they have been given. He teaches us that the servants work for the master and that they are just caretakers of what they have been given. They don't own it, the master does. How we live our life on earth and what we do with what we've been given, 
exponentially impacts eternity. And there are two ways that we can go through this life we've been given on earth. We can go through it with a my mentality or we can go through it with a thy mentality. Now that first way we can go through this life is with a my mentality. And with this kind of mentality, we see everything that we have as ours. We bought it. We worked for it. We earned it. It belongs to me. It's mine. That house is mine. This car is mine. That's my bank account, my stock portfolio. We even see our talents, our gifts, our hobbies, the things that we're good at as something we possess, that they're ours. We see our faith sometimes as ours, our faith journey as ours. Like there hasn't been a whole host of people who have been surrounding us, cheering us on, leading us, teaching us along our entire journey of faith. Sometimes we even talk about Jesus like he's ours, like he belongs to us. Jesus is my personal savior. When we live our life with a my mentality, we hold on tight to everything. We hold everything back, afraid to let go of it, afraid to share it. We become very protective of our things. Sometimes we even see relationships as belonging to us. Like the people in our lives are our property or something. We see our family as ours. She's my wife, those are my kids. One of the things I like best when a child is baptized here at Anderson Hills is the faith chest ceremony that's part of the baptism. The pastor says to the parents, parents, this child is a gift from the Lord. Yet you do not own your children. God does. But God has entrusted you to raise them. And when you consider all that you will invest in future years to raise these children, remember that the most important investment will be in their faith. And then we talk about how the faith chest is a symbol of the treasure of our faith. You see, having a my mentality makes us earthly spenders. We accumulate a lot of things and they are all for us. The only problem with that my mentality of earthly spending is that it all just ends when we die. You've heard it said before that you can't take it with you, and it's true. And I will tell you to, to this very day, I have still never seen a hearse with a big U-Haul in tow headed to the cemetery. But the other outlook we can have as we go through life is to have a thy mentality. Now, the Bible is full of verses that remind us that everything belongs to God, that God owns everything. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. 1 Corinthians 10, 26 says it just the same way. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. I could go on but I think you get the point. And Jesus made this point very clear in the parable of the talents. The master entrusted his money to his servants. He didn't give it to them. It did not belong to them. They were caretakers. They were given a ton of responsibility to be sure, but ultimately 
the money still belonged to the master. When we realize the truth that God does indeed own everything, we begin to have a thy mentality and we seek to become heavenly investors. So how do you live life differently if you know this truth? Well, I think you begin to realize that your time belongs to the Lord and you begin to use your time to serve God and serve God's people. And the ripple effect goes way beyond what you think might be. I think about people who volunteer their time at this church to serve in ministries like whiz kids that help children get better in education so their life ahead of work can be more amazing than they ever imagined. Or people who volunteer with interfaith hospitality um, to help families that are um, homeless temporarily. Those are just two examples that I can think of that people in our church use to invest their time to serve others. And in just two weeks, on February the 10th, we're going to have our very first Sunday Serve Day of this year, 2019. You can invest your um, time on that um, Sunday afternoon in three different ways. There's details about that in your weekly today and details on how you can sign up. I encourage you to do that. When you begin to have a thy mentality, you also begin to realize that your talents and your skills and your hobbies also belong to the Lord. And you begin to use them to work in the kingdom of God and to serve in the kingdom. I think about people who use talents like singing or use skills like playing musical instruments and hobbies like woodworking or quilting or cooking to name just a few to invest in the kingdom. You begin to figure out that your resources and possessions also belong to the Lord. You begin to not hold on to them so tightly, but you are willing to gladly let go of some of them when called by the Lord. I once knew a couple who sold their vacation home and gave the proceeds of it to their church when their church was looking to add on so they could reach more, even more people in ministry in their community in Dayton. I knew another couple one time who gave a car that they had been thinking about trading in on a new car to someone who needed a car that they knew but couldn't afford one. My friends, this congregation, you, the people of Anderson Hills, are especially generous with time, talent, and resources. Just one example was our recent stewardship campaign. And as one of your pastors, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to each and every one of you for making our 2019 stewardship campaign such a success. Our budget for this year includes, get this, $1.9 million for operating, $245,000 for missions, and $129,000 for building expenses. As always, if this is your Ballywick, if you really like to know details, you can contact our treasurer's office. We're happy to share and be transparent with you about the finances of the church. But again, I want to thank you, each of you, for investing in heaven and having a thy mentality. You see, when we have a thy mentality, everything we have belongs to God, even our relationships even our children. I want to share with you a little bit about my oldest daughter, Sarah. She's worshiping with us today via live stream all the way from Romania. Can you say, hi, Sarah? Yeah, that's right. 
It's evening time there. I remember the day that Sarah was born. And as I stood there in the delivery room, watching the nurses weigh her and wrap her in a blanket, I remember thinking to myself, I wonder what she will become when she grows up. I daydreamed that she could become anything she wanted, a doctor, an astronaut, a lawyer. Then from the time she was about three years old, she wanted to become a teacher, all because of her preschool teacher named Miss Liz. Preschool teachers and teachers never underestimate the ripple effect that you have as you pour into the lives of children. Miss Liz made a big impression on Sarah. She went on to college, she became a teacher, and she joined the staff of Miami Valley Christian Academy nearby in Newtown. About 10 years ago, two teachers from MVCA who led mission trips to Romania every summer with students invited Sarah to go along as a third adult chaperone. Well, this was kind of interesting to me and to Marge because of all three of our kids, Sarah was always the most homebody of all of them. She wanted to go to college as, as close to home as she could. She never wanted to go away to camp. And I remember Marge and I dropping her off at CVG that day so many years ago and thinking, this will probably be good for her. It's going to challenge her. It'll get her outside of her comfort zone, but I hope she doesn't get homesick. Well, Sarah fell in love with Romania and the Romanian people, and she went back there the next year, and the year after that, and the year after that. And then soon she began to feel like God was closing the door on her being a teacher, only God hadn't revealed to her yet what the next chapter of her life was going to be. She was perplexed and confused, thinking about what it would be like not to be a teacher. I mean, it's what she had been working toward since she had been a little girl. What would she do if she didn't teach? She felt kind of lost, and yet she had felt so strongly that God was calling her out of teaching that she decided not to sign a teacher's contract for the next year. That was in 2013. Now, I have to say that the spiritual, the pastor, the Christian part of me was so proud of her willingness to take such a giant step of faith. But I also have to be completely honest with you that the practical dad part of me was terrified. <laughs> I wondered what she would do for money, how she would have insurance and all of those kinds of things. Well, God opened the door for her to join the staff at Hyde Park Community UMC, where she oversaw missions and outreach for the last six years. She continued traveling to Romania each year, at least once a year, expanding her circle of friends there and the circle of churches that she worked with. She also began to feel God calling her to go back to school to get a master's degree in counseling so that ultimately she could provide counseling help through the Way of Faith United Methodist Church in the city of Cluj, Napoca. Well, there are so many more details to this story. But this past Tuesday, we took Sarah to the airport again as a family, this time to move to Romania permanently as a missionary. Marge and I were talking Tuesday evening in our family room as we reflected on this. And I remember saying something like, 
it's awfully hard to let go of our daughter. She's living so far away now, 5,000 miles. And Marge said to me, yeah, it is, but she's not really ours. She's always belonged to God. We were just given her to raise, and I think we've been faithful to do that in the best way we could. And now look what God has done. Well, this new chapter for her is just beginning. I don't know what will happen yet, but I do believe that God wants to do something exponential with the seeds that have been planted. Parents, you don't own your children. They belong to God. So plant seeds of faith in them. Water them well. Don't hold anything back. And then watch what God will do. There is one more reason why we have to have a thy mentality and be heavenly investors. And that is because we will all give an account to God one day for the way we stewarded and took care of all that he entrusted to us. One day, Jesus, like the master in this story, will return and we will give an account to him. Now, please hear me. Hear me loud and clear. I am not saying, I am not saying that we will be saved because of what we did with what we've been given. We are not saved by our works. We know that. We are saved by God's grace alone. And that is a free gift so that none of us will ever be able to boast. And yet, when we become followers of Jesus, we begin to work for him, for our master, we give everything we have to him because it all belongs to him in the first place anyway. We begin to use all that he's entrusted to us, our time, our talents, our treasures, even our loved ones, to offer them up to God, to build them up, to increase them so that we can increase the kingdom. In Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. So as you think about your life today, this morning, this very moment, what is one thing that you could surrender that would shift your thinking from a my mentality to a thy mentality what is one thing you could do, no matter how small you think it might be, that would make you more of a heavenly investor instead of an earthly spender? You know, you can start right now by just going to God in prayer and asking him. He'll be faithful to tell you. Would you join me in praying right now? Oh God, you are a good, good father and you are our master. Everything belongs to you in the whole universe, including us. We thank you, God, for entrusting us with more gifts than we can possibly give you true thanks for, for the gift of our life and breath, for our time and talents, for our loved ones and for everything else, Lord, we give you thanks. Help us, Lord, to surrender this day one thing that would move us from being more like earthly spenders and turn us more into heavenly investors. Create in us selfless um, ideals about giving, Lord, so that we won't be so focused on us, but we'll be thinking about others, thinking about you, thinking about your kingdom. Reveal to us, Lord, one thing that we might surrender to you more fully or maybe even for the first time, 
so that we can help be your faithful servants, building your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we want more than anything one day when you return and we see you face to face to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. I've entrusted you with a little. Now I will entrust you with much. Enter into the joy of my kingdom. Amen.